Episode 144, Jessica Jones, Season 1, Episode 8, a.k.a. WWJD. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Greetings, detective agents. Does that seem right? Yeah, it's okay. Detective, detective agent Daniel Butcher here, getting well positive feedback, positive reinforcement from from me, detective agent Ben Ben Avery. It's nice when we can be positive. Be nice to each other. It's a better sort of discourse, Ben. I guess so. I guess so. Depends on. Depends on uh, your point of view. I guess if I was going to answer that question, I just have to keep asking myself, WWJD. WWJD. And as someone who went to a Christian college in the 90s, I can guarantee you that WWJD is something I heard a lot. You've got a tattoo, don't you, Ben? I do not have a tattoo. As you remember, I said I was at a Christian college in the 90s. And tattoos were cool, but not quite cool enough. Oh, facial hair then. A lot of facial hair then. Oh, my my friend. My friend, facial hair was not a thing for me. I cannot grow the facial hair. I think we've had this discussion before. That's why I got out of youth pastoring. I didn't have a soul patch, goatee, etc. I did a goatee for a little bit, but I, I, uh, yeah, it just didn't look right. And my mustache... Uh, let's just say that if I were to try and grow out a mustache, I wouldn't have one of those rockin' good hipster mu- mustaches that are out there right now. My mustache would look like a 1930s movie star. You know, that thin, kind of swarmy kind of thing. Um, It's just not a good mustache. Think good things about yourself. Think positively. I can't. You, you just you, say to yourself, taking me down this- W-D-D. What would Daniel do? <laughs> And the answer is shave every four days. I, I do. <laughs> I I actually, that is pretty much my schedule. I don't get five o'clock shadow. I get mid-Tuesday shadow. There you go. And I do get five o'clock shadow, but that doesn't change a thing. <laughs> so here we are talking about Jessica Jones. 10 a.m. shadow, Ben. 10 a.m. <laughs> shadow. Occasionally 9 a.m. shadow. I get 10 a.m. shadow on Wednesday. Um, have 8 a.m. shadow. We're here again talking about Jessica Jones. What? Jessica Jones? Yes. We said that our schedule will be wonky and wonky it has been. You might even say hinky. We can think ABC. Well. And other places. And life. Yeah. I mean, mean, it's any number of things, but. Yeah. Yeah. So, Daniel. Jessica Jones. Yep. Heard of her. You know, it's a a lot of Jessica Jones. Well, I've read the last volume of Alias since the last time we met. uh, And I've been watching Agent Carter since we last met. Um, It's a it's a different place. It's a different place we go to Jessica Jones to Agent Carter to Jessica Jones again. Um, Been true confessions. I've also been binging on a little. You better call Saul. Hey, I've just watched the first two episodes of that. Isn't it delightful? Um, 
so far I feel like it's it's Breaking Bad light, but I've only exactly. seen the first two episodes. But hey, it's no BoJack Horseman as far as the depression level. Not yet. No, not at all. So Netflix has treated us right. They're giving us some good stuff, putting, you know, the better call Saul on there for me so I can see that. But that does remind me one other original thing. Uh, Man from High Castle. Mm -hmm. Have you finished? No. Oh, because I really want to talk about the ending of that. Good, good, good. As you know, Ben, I, I sadly am not allowed to live my life around TV. Well, it's not on TV. It's on the internet. See, dude, it I lives its life around you. Saul. <laughs> it lives its life around you. Well, that's what five minutes of not talking about Jessica Jones. Let's get into some Jessica Jones. What do you say? Let's do it. Preliminary investigation. Okay, so those of you who listen to the show know that this is the point in the show where we listen to our immediate response to watching the episode from the Netflix series. And so this is from back in December. <laughs> maybe even, maybe even, uh, well, no, it'd be December, right? Yeah. But uh, this is ap- after watching uh, episode eight of Jessica Jones, WWJD, which stands for uh, what would Jessica do? The question is, Daniel, what would you and I say? Well, it's been long enough I don't know, Ben. I have no clue, no memory whatsoever what I said, what I was thinking. Um, So I guess we need to play one. I just hope Daniel was funny. <laughs> I just hope Ben was intelligible. Um, Who should I play first, Daniel? Me or you? I don't care. Okay. I'm just going to hit this it's, one. What would Jessica do? Give you a nice dinner and then knock you out. That's clearly what Jessica would do. Wow. That was... Well, transpired quickly. She got her man. And she jumped. Well, flew or jumped. I'm guessing it was a jump. Simpson gone? I don't know. I mean, for heaven's sakes, why a leave of absence? Just take some vacation time, dude. Wow. Good episode, good show. David Tennant, you are a creepy, creepy romantic. Totally creepy. All right. Well, I need to know. Simpson, dead or alive. What's next? Peace out later. Bye. Okay, that was you. Still you. What a nice young man. Rustling lots of papers before he hangs up the phone. All right. Well, let's find out what this other young man, boy, Daniel, I hear your voice. And I just wonder, were we ever that young? Oh, oh we were. Were we, we ever we, that young? Yes. Yes, we were. Okay. All right. I'll... I had more hair back then. <laughs> you're, you're encouraging me. You're lifting me up, Daniel. Here we go. Hello. Welcome to level seven in the future. That would be you, Daniel, and you, future, future Ben. Okay. Uh, for last time. Okay. All right. It was, it was a low blow, a low move. I was just distinctly appealing to Daniel's pride and base nature that we both know he thrives on. I, I didn't say that. Uh, okay. I can't erase it. Anyway. Um, okay. So sure, Daniel, I, I didn't really mean that. You know, I, you know, I'm on your side, Daniel. Uh, but anyway, 
I'm calling about uh, episode eight. WWJD is the title, and there's some some good theme stuff going on here. Uh, you know, we're we're at a point now, similar to Daredevil, where it's just it's a, another episode of the same level of quality, uh, continuing our story along, and I yeah, but there's background stuff happening now, and I guess that's what kind of makes this. You know, not just another episode, but you get to see a little bit of Kilgrave's background. I don't know his background from the comics yet. Probably between when I've done my first viewing and when Future Ben does his second viewing. Uh, probably I'll have read some stuff. Maybe not. I don't know. But I don't know anything about Kilgrave, really. Purple Man. That's all I know. His name, what he's done. And this is this is the one where they, they just go out and say, they say, you read me. And it's a, uh, it's just out there. And I'm glad it's out there because that's what this this is about. This is about abuse. This is about power and control. This is about people out of control, feeling out of control. And uh, I don't know where where else to go with that other than to say. And then we also get some background for Jessica's family and her uh, backstory. So yeah, I mean we're eight episodes in. Finally see. Uh, what happened with both of them, or a little bit of what happened with both of them. I'm hoping to find out more. Um, again, David Tennant, he's, he's pretty amazing. He's pretty amazing. Uh, and I haven't seen Luke for a little while. That's, that's the, I guess, the sad point here. Because um, at one point I was thinking, they might as well just call this Luke and Jessica. But no, this is definitely Jessica Jones. She's carrying her own thing. Uh, but Luke is tied into that. So, yeah, that's that's that. Future I, uh, you know, I, I just want us to get along. I, I'm i seeing all these broken relationships. And I'm seeing these, you know, past Jessica dealing with future Jessica. Or future Jessica dealing with past Jessica. And I know that that's probably how you're feeling right now with me. So, you know, here we are. Uh, I'm hoping that you're not having flashbacks like she is to me. Uh, but if you are, um, there's probably more about sandwiches and popcorn. There it is. I I I feel like he's putting out an olive branch. I, um, words hurt. I I feel like feel like past me is is trying to, you know, reach out and uh, let me deal with him. Ba- base base behavior. Yeah. Really? Okay. To be wow. fair, you are a Deadpool fan. I I am. I am. In fact, I have ordered Deadpool Merc from with money, number one. What what's that? Some mini series. Oh, okay. Cool. It'll be horrible because it's well, it's not a Deadpool writer that I really love that much, but hey, I'm getting action figure variant covers. Great. Well, that makes everything better. Sure. Ben. Uh, I just heard Deadpool. Deadpool. I almost bought G.I. Joe action variant covers. Oh, I don't buy G.I. Joe, but I saw those variant covers. I was tempted. So, so good. <laughs> They're so cool. But I could just I'm surf like, the I internet and look guy. at Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we need to, to actually talk about this episode now. You and me. Future. Future Ben and Daniel. All right, let's do it. Although I will say... Past Ben does have some good points that will probably come up 
again. And I'm just a hot mess after hearing him. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to I'm going to hit the sounder now. Surveillance report. So where do we start here, Daniel? Where do we start? Well, why don't you just give us a thumbnail, Ben? I think I'm going to give sections of thumbnails, maybe kind of you maybe. and your sections. Well, your it's, partitions. It's easy. It's easy. And this way it has natural places to stop, even though there's no commercial breaks. So WWJD starts out with a family leaving on vacation. And we find out that one of the members of this family is Jesse and her brother is definitely annoying her. Yes, every little brother should. Yes. And so as they're walking out of the house, they walk past future Jessica. That's right. Time travel. <laughs> they also walk past Kilgrave. And this Kilgrave has invited Jessica into her own home. And he wants her to come in by choice. And she wa he wants all the things around her to be by people's choice. He is paying a service staff. He is paying a body guard he is paying them good wages now the house is creepy because it's exactly as she left it as in not just that the house is still standing it's furniture that was there when she was a child it's posters that were there when she was a child she's bothered by this he's bothered by this that she's bothered by this uh, it's pretty creepy patsy calls complains that everyone's disappearing including simpson and then we find out dinner is being prepared she's invited to dinner she closes the door on kilgrave and lays down in her old bed and that is section one lots of stuff actually to talk about here i think it's a great opening to beauty and the beast her <laughs> dad's in the basement right or did the beast send him home i it be sent him home, Philippe. Well, it just depends on the on the version that you're watching, but or or hearing or reading. Um, I wanted to start with uh, something interesting. This is kind of it's not really foreshadowing because we are coming to it in this episode, but it is foreshadowing from her childhood. She has a sign on her door that says "Do not enter." It's typical. I mean, this is her. Do not enter. She's guarded. And even back then, she wanted her privacy. She wanted, you know, she feels like a typical teenager. Um, her brother feels like a typical annoying younger brother. We do I, get to see a smile, Ben. A little bit. A little bit. And so here, well, let's, let's let's kind of walk through some of this stuff here. There's there's a lot to, to chew on here. Um, he asks, uh, or, you know, he's saying, you know, no one's here. They all have the choice to be here. They're all being paid well. And she says, you know, what's what do you want from all this? What do you want? You know, and, and he says, you know, I'm not delusional. I'm just optimistic. I know you're not here because you want to be, but you are here because you're choosing to be. And then she says that she chooses that he doesn't touch her ever. And he promises he will not touch her until he gets her genuine consent. Which, you know, consent, I mean, that's a that's a word right there that gets used a lot as we're talking about men and women, you know, giving consent to other people uh, to, you know, proceed with relational, uh, physical relations and that sort of thing. And 
um, this is kind of our first clue. We are going there. We are going to go to this place where it's going to be called out for exactly what it is, the relationship that they had before. And we also find out that (laughs) there's two kind of things going on here. Why is he doing this and how she told him when she was under his control what made her happy, what was her happiest memories. And she said home. And so he got pictures. And we know she wasn't lying. Yeah, because she was told to tell the truth. And uh, (laughs) the realtor had pictures. (laughs) So apparently got them. Um, Now, he can say as much as he wants about everyone's doing this by choice. We're going to find out that there's more to it than that. But even at this point, the money he got was not from someone choosing to give him this money. So (laughs) No, no, it was not. That's our first section. Anything more to say about this? this I, I think the consent thing is going to become interesting with pretty much how he looks at the world, period. And, oh, woe was me. But I, I think we need a little bit more information about him before I go too deep into that. Yeah. Well, this next scene starts with that, though. He's sitting at the table waiting for her to come down. And, oh, we didn't even mention the dress. He left her a dress that she tore up. Uh, he wants to have a nice dinner with her. He's waiting for her to come down. The, the service people are coming around, you know, the, the staff, uh, the cook and the Cogsworth and Luminaire are waiting <laughs> yeah. patiently. Uh, and he says, how do you people live like this day after day? Just hoping people will do what you want. It's unbearable. And there we go. I mean, when we talk about consent, what is consent in his world? Because in his world, he controls people just by saying. And yeah. so. But he uses that as an excuse later on. He he will. He, he just he will. doesn't get it. I mean, he he clearly. There's there's definitely something going on here that's that's deeper. Um, But. Uh, but it, you sense the frustration because, again, you know, he's used to just saying it and then people doing it. Think back to the restaurant. Everyone be quiet. Right. He didn't have to wait patiently for everyone to choose to be quiet. They were just quiet yeah. because he said, and this does mark the difference between him. And, and I guess in some ways you could say he's trying because he hasn't forced Jessica to do anything yet. He's trying, but he, again, he's still pretty skeevy. Yeah. Yeah. Even as he's trying. And this is where we find out there's more going on here than he wanted to let on. But she forces his hand because she comes down for dinner. She's having a liquid dinner. She's drinking the wine. She downs a bottle of wine, pretty short order. And the question comes up, what are you hoping for? And he says he's hoping for that you and I will make a go of it. Eventually, the conversation, though, gets around to him forcing her to do things like kill someone. And he says, I didn't tell you to kill her. I told you to take care of her. You did the killing. You Which chose definitely to is gonna throw ugh, some kinks in there. Yeah. What, was it your choice or not your choice? Well, and and why I think it's still not her choice. It's just the the part that would get me if I was in that situation is so you told me to take care of her. My brain interpreted that with this killing punch. Ugh. You know, that's the kind of thing that you then take and you're like, so what does that say about me? And it's very easy for that to become something about what did I do wrong 
instead of what did he do wrong? Because even though that was the way her brain interpreted it, she still had no control. She had to move forward with what he was asking her to do and then do it as far as her interpretation of that question. And this is something where you know this is the the victim thing where the victim begins saying well i did this wrong therefore it is partially my fault and taking the blame away from the person who actually did do something wrong and in this case that's kilgrave now she's not doing that here not yet i she's not doing you're not seeing that thought process i'm just saying that's the way i would interpret it in my own brain, if I was in that same situation and, and that that is a way that people who victimize other people are able to turn it around and say, well, actually, you know, it was partially my fault, you know, because I did this wrong. And so therefore this happened. And we talked about blame and taking the blame for someone else's evil actions in many places, not just here in, in, in Jessica Jones, but here in Jessica Jones, it's far, far more evident. It's it's much more front and center. Because of that question, though, she breaks a bottle and acts like she's getting ready to do something. We don't know what's going to happen. But as soon as she breaks the bottle, um, Laurent, Laurent and <laughs> Alva come in and put a blade up to their throat. And now we can question how good is that salary? Well, yeah, I at this point now, it's OK. They're no longer. You know, they're under his his control. It's a it's a safeguard that he's put in place. Um, they probably haven't experienced this yet like this. And this is where you say, OK, that salary is not good enough. But like, well, and I think one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves is, is he actually giving them the quote unquote good salary? on the side in order to, in his mind, be properly taking care of them, but still building in his safeguards. Because as we'll see throughout this episode, they are being tortured. And I'm assuming, well, I know they're doing things that are against their will. Absolutely. And he justifies this, though, because he says, I never said I would ask you to do anything. He never said anything about anyone else. Again, he's, he's manipulative. He's a lying liar who lies, lies. And he's a manipulating manipulator who manipulates manipulates. I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. Well, we just have to make excuses for him because he had a really rough childhood. <sighs> and he did. He did. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So she goes back upstairs. Her brother's door is open. And who's in her brother's room? <laughs> it's, it's Simpson. It's her new surrogate brother. Ah, uh, yes. It's Chekhov's missing boyfriend. Yes, yes. Uh, he reveals he has a bomb in the basement. She is upset because you can't kill him with hope still in jail. She's still hoping for the confession. In fact, we didn't talk about this, but he confiscated her phone, which she had already recorded a one party. Um, what do you call that? Consent. One party consent. Yeah. To record conversations, to get his confession. Um, but this is good, actually, because she actually is able to steal Simpson's phone, which is why she feels justified in giving up the bomb. Well, and this is an important conversation for Jessica, 
because as we go back and we think about the earlier conversations and themes of Jessica Jones, you're a good person. You know, the thing, the the smart thing to do, the safe thing to do is let Simpson just blow him up. Yep. But she's too worried about others. She's worried about Hope. You know, we can't do this while Hope's still in prison. If he's dead, Hope's not going to get off. Her life is ruined. And then let's also throw in the fact that there's the two staff. There are also people that she's worried about. Yeah. So she's not willing to trade three lives for one. No, and it's that Batman conundrum where, okay, uh, if it if you had to take out two innocent people plus Joker, knowing that next week you've saved 300 people because he won't be able to do that, what would you do? Well, as they would say on Legends of Tomorrow, there, there has to be another way. Mm, and that's where Superman would take another way. Well, in, except in my Man Superman, <laughs> except in Man of Steel. Right, right. Nope, I'm there. So the bomb is taken care of. Simpson is out of there, and we're back with Jessica and and uh, Kilgrave alone. We go from there to two other people. We're going to cut away from them for a little bit. We go to ha- Hogarth and then um, Patsy. Trish Hogarth is in divorce negotiations and this is again power struggle two people fighting for power um, you know and not neither one willing to give up what the other one wants and for Hogarth it's Wendy saying she wants 70% of everything boom which okay that that would feel unreasonable to give up and say, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to compromise and give you 70% of everything. Um, but for Hogarth, well, remember, it's, she just have that bad blackmail in her pocket. Yeah. Well, and, and for Hogarth, it's nothing. I don't want to give you anything. Hogarth does say, I'm sorry. And uh, Wendy says, say it in cash. So there it is. They have hurt each other. They have wounded each other, and they want to continue. I'm going to go on hurting. I like to call those gift cards. They're just backed by the U.S. Treasury. Oh, you mean money? Yeah. Yeah. It's gift card good at any store. Yeah. But not hotels. Hotels really want a credit card. I don't know why. Oh, I do know why. It's actually so they can charge you later on if you've done something bad to their room. They can put the information in and, and go ahead and charge you for, you know, destroying a mattress or throwing a lamp no. against the wall and throwing some sort of total Pink Floyd rock ben, star you're a little tantrum. Too informed in this conversation earlier on Facebook, I did see a picture of you in a musical group. Did that group <laughs> of unruly un- young men ever tear up a hotel room, Ben? May I plead the fifth? May I plead the fifth? Based on the bow ties that I saw, I, I think that's a fair. We first. were rocking some bow ties and suspenders. Yeah. Those were the days. Those were those days I was talking about. I wasn't wearing a bracelet that said WWJD. I didn't wear one, but I could have been. I'm just saying I, I see what Mrs. Avery sees in you <laughs> when I look at those pictures. I still don't know what Mrs. Avery saw in me, so... 
Anyway. Oh, I get it. We're back to uh, Simpson and, and Trish as well. And because Trish has followed Simpson. And here's where we get some interesting thoughts about what does it mean to be a regular person in this world? And I wrote down the whole the whole speech. But Simpson's telling Trish, walk away from this. Walk away from this. You're just going to get hurt. May, may I read the speech? Sure. Let me get up and do some things around the house. <laughs> Go and make some burgers. Everybody wants to be the hero, right? But now I see that we can't be because there's us and there's them. And that's okay. But it just means we can't always help. You can't always help. I'm getting out of her way, he says. And you should too. Stay out and stay safe. And, you know, that's something that is interesting to me is the idea of being a regular person in a world of heroes. Well, and I feel like he's definitely hitting at things like the Avengers. He is. You know? I mean, he he's obviously us and them. He's talking about Jessica and Kilgrave, but he's also talking about this broader world that they have. Even the Inhumans. You know, yeah. there's there's us and there's them. Just stay out of their but way. But he doesn't know about them because, you know, they're secret warriors. Wink, wink. Eh. They're not on the front page of the newspaper warriors, Ben. But I think that he, if anyone in this series is going to be aware of them, he and his buddies would be. <laughs> well, he does seem to know some things so far. Yes, but we're not going to talk about the future. We're going to I don't know here. what you're talking about. I'm just saying, you know, again, his buddies, they seem like, you know, we've mentioned special forces before. Yeah. Just saying. Well, shall we go back into a flashback? Let's do it. Jessica wakes up from her nap on her old bed. Wakes up to what? Her family. They're getting ready to go on vacation. And then it suddenly turns on a dime. We'd be alive if it wasn't for you, Jessica. Make it right. She wakes up. Apparently she fell asleep with the TV on because the news is on in her room. And there's a hostage situation going on she's hungry though remember her dinner was a liquid dinner and so she goes outside into their back porch where there's this nice little table with chairs and a huge spread for breakfast she sits down she eats she talks to Kilgrave asks him if he's ever haunted by his actions and she's still going for that confession but it's interrupted by Mrs. DeLuca who is invited to breakfast by Kilgrave. He wants to hear everything. Tell me about my little Jesse. And Mrs. DeLuca thinks that Jessica has returned and that she's here with her new husband. Of course, Jessica's very quick to say he's not. Uh, we find out that she actually like, duct taped her brother to a tree the day before they went on vacation when that terrible, terrible thing happened. And, and I've heard sibling stories before, Ben. This seems pretty standard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this kind of stuff is is fun stuff, but it's the kind of stuff that you regret if it happens the day before, say, uh, a terrible accident is going to take them. I'm away. just saying if there wasn't a terrible accident 15 years later, they would have been sitting in the living room with mom and dad and be like, hey, and then one time I duct taped Philip to a tree. No, fifth, yeah. 15 years later, you're going to talk about duct taping Philip to the tree and then turning to your own kids. Hey, no ideas. You know, I mean, that's. That's the kind of thing. I've had this conversation actually with 
with my kids and my sister as she's telling them about some of the terrible things that I did to her when we were children. And I'm just like, guys, guys, not a good example. <laughs> not a good example. This is what I'm telling you about. WWBD. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Mrs. DeLuca then says, I knew something was going to happen. And, and Kilgrave, oh, did you really tell the truth? No. Why not? Why would you say such a thing? Because I wanted to feel important. What would you do if someone did that to you? I'd want to slap them. And he looks to Jessica as if to say, hey, you can slap her, but Jessica doesn't. Mrs. DeLuca leaves, and Kilgrave asks Jessica, "Does that did that feel good? And she begrudgingly admits that it felt a little good, and he thinks they made a connection. And, and I'll be honest, I'm seeing him use the powers here, and I'm feeling very, very deeply for Jessica. I'm feeling a lot of pain, and I'm kind of like, well, stick that. We'll just stick you with this. Thank goodness we've got purple man here well he touches her touches her on the hand gently and you know she this is where we get the conversation this is the meat of this their situation really is he she says do not touch me and he says we used to do a lot more than touch hands he thinks it's clever banter. He thinks it's romantic banter. He thinks it's moonlighting. He's he's doing a moonlighting type of banter. You know, we hate each other. We squabble, but we really love each other. But this is not moonlighting. It's not Bruce no, this Willis. Is rape, ben. Yeah, it's rape. And then that's where she says he says we used to do a lot more than touch hands. And she said, yeah, yeah, it was called rape. And man, so here we get it. It's finally out there on the table. And this he doesn't, happened. but he doesn't get it. No. He says, what part of staying in four-star hotels, eating all the best places, doing whatever you wanted, what part of that is rape? And then she answers, and this is the crux of the matter. She says, the part where I didn't want to do any of it. And she says, you know, you didn't just violate my body. You violated my brain. You violated every fiber of my being. And this is, he gives the excuse. How was I supposed to know? I never know. I never know if someone is obeying me or if they actually are choosing. And he says, and excuse number two, easy for you to say, I didn't have any of this, the house, the family. And she just looks at him like, seriously? You're blaming this on bad parenting. Ugh, uh, horrible. Yeah, so we go from here to the yellow flash drive where we find out, first of all, that Kilgrave's first name is Kevin. I don't know if we knew that yet, but it's uh, it's his first name. We see him as a child. He's in a, a laboratory, a facility, where he's being experimented on by his own parents. And he says that his, his parents were scientists bent on turning me into a freak. And this is where you see, I think, his first manifestation of his power as they are doing a spinal tap kind of thing they're draining spinal fluids or something like that we're and not he, talking the band no no we're not and he tells them to go away and they go away they don't understand what's happening and then they ran away after that from promising careers yeah yeah and from him and she says you're not 10 anymore 
And she realizes, wait a minute, no one ever taught you how to be good. And so this is where we get into this question of, okay, nature versus nurture kind of stuff. This is where we get into, you know, at what point does your the the things that you've experienced in your childhood that have caused you to um you know become who you are and you know there's the, another question that came up in um there's an episode of the X-Files recently where they're talking about uh terrorists and who taught them how to hate and you know you have a mother who has influence on their child but then you have other factors outside of that who have influence on them as well and so who's who's creating the killers and and this is what you have here you know he so he didn't have a parental influence causing him to do good causing him to learn right from wrong causing him to ask you know wwjd or whatever um what he has is power this this power just and, like in the twilight zone yeah so what comes of that what comes of that and and what at what point then is that responsibility shifted over to the person because you can make excuses from stuff from your childhood you can make excuses from all that rubbish that happened to you in your past you can make those excuses forever well i just i would never learn to do that or my parents taught me to be this way I was taught to feel this way about people like that. And it's, it's, it's one of those conversations where you, you look at what Kilgrave is doing. Clearly it's, he's wrong. Clearly he's wrong. Clearly he's doing something evil and wrong. There is no excuse for the way he treats people because he's not treating them like people. He's treating them as things to be consumed. Toys. Toys or tools you know but they're things for his gratification for his pleasure for his agenda until he comes across jessica jones and he has a new challenge he, he actually i think sees her as a challenge and this is perhaps an equal well i wouldn't say perhaps an equal but maybe but this is again kind of that um uh, the, you know, the pickup artist kind of thing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Which uh, the pickup artist kind of thing is, you know, women are a challenge. And so, you know, we're going to, you know, here's how you conquer the challenge. Women are not people. They are a thing to be one. They're a game. And again, this is, <laughs> Kilgrave's getting all of this. He, he's he's hitting all these notes. So Jessica has some things to think about. She decides to leave and she says, you know, I need to go for a walk. I need to be alone or whatever. Take a ride. He says, how long? She says, two hours. He says, okay, two hours. Um, You definitely want to be back here in two hours. And Laurent and Alva will want you to be back here in two hours as well. Because if she doesn't return in two hours, they're going to remove the skin from their faces. Yeah. Another threat to keep them in line. Yeah. Not just the salary. They really are prisoners. Yeah. So she comes back and decides, you know, you're going to do the hero thing. Now, did we skip? Is this? Has she talked to Trish yet? 
No, she's no, no. not Tasha okay. Patricia. No, this is her own. She yep. is they're going to go to this hostage situation that we've been seeing on TV. The Chekhov's hostage, Chekhov's hostage situation. Yeah. Um, and he realizes once they get there, oh, that's right. She wasn't going to be alone for that two hours. She was taking him for a ride for that two hours. Yes. I was mixing up those two scenes. He's going with her. And if they don't get back in two hours, Laurent and Alva are going to skin their faces. Which is to keep her from hurting or killing or kidnapping him. Right, right. Which, I mean, man, seems like he really has absolute control here, even without forcing her to do anything with his powers. Um, how is she going to overcome that? <sighs> well, we'll find out. Yeah. And we go to this hostage situation and our boy Kilgrave saves the day. He does. Using Jedi mind tricks. He does. And if, you know, in another situation, this is actually a pretty good team up. If if it was a different kind of show or a different kind of character. So say it's not Kilgrave. muscle in the mind. Yep. Yep. She's the muscle and the moral compass. He's the mind. And he's able to force people to do what they need them to do. And she's able to take care of the physical elements. So he uses the Jedi mind tricks to get in, but they come to bars in the window. She's the one who steps up, removes the bars and they go in and he orders the guy who is holding his family hostage at gunpoint. He, he tells him to stop. Don't move. Tells the family to leave. Don't tell anyone about us. Um, Tells him to put the gun in his mouth, and, you know, before he can say Whoa, too far, too far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's where she's the, you know, she's the muscle and the moral compass. I thought that was perfectly normal and the way to go. Yeah. You don't want him eating the taxpayer dollars in prison. Yeah. Oh. So he considers this whole exercise kind of a waste in energy, except she points out you've saved four lives and now we're getting into another theme that we've been seeing in the marvel universe they get back home and he's like okay ah he you can see he's kind of got a little he's adrenalized a little bit here with what he's done yeah and he asks her how many lives would we have to save to bring my count back to zero this is this is the red on the ledger yeah and and she basically would tell natasha um, there isn't moral math because at the end of the day, you can't make those people undead. Yeah. Saving someone does not mean unkilling someone else. And he's like, well, I can't be a hero without you. And that's where she says, I need to go for a walk. And, you know, but this is another very deep philosophical question that we have to ask. And, you know, well, and I think we even see it at Heroes. You know, we've got Levi, uh, Zachary, Zachary Levi's character running around as a serial killer, and then he's helping the heroes. Can he be redeemed? Well, and I mean, I think we even wondered with Ward for a while. You know, he's done these things. Is there going to be an excuse to get him off? And the thing is, is in comic books, I mean, let's be honest. Let's how be many blunt. people flip flop? Yeah, guys turn from good to bad and bad to good all the time. They do. And what's interesting, though, is, you know, this is, again, we've already talked about our my my spiritual background. But um, we're getting into these questions of can you wipe the slate clean? Is there karma and balance? And 
you know, you ask Jessica if there's karma imbalance, you know, you can't, you know, saving someone doesn't unkill someone, but at the same time, is there redemption and is there forgiveness? And what do you have to do to earn redemption? And, you know, for us in the Christian faith, we can't earn redemption. Redemption is something that's offered to us freely, but it's not something that we earn. Forgiveness is something that we offer freely. And does it, you know, does serving prison time, that doesn't bring back a victim. You know, it, it's, it's this kind of moral uh, scales. And at some point you have to say, you know what? It's not what you've done, but what you do and who you are now. Can someone change is the question more than can I erase the red on the ledger? And this is where Jessica's realizing changing him is going to be very, very difficult. Because uh, he, he doesn't have a moral compass. <laughs> he is just on his own. Whew. He believed that having the guy blow his brains out was the best thing to do. The best thing morally because of his own crimes. The best thing morally because of what would happen from there on out. And also it's the easier thing to do. It is easier to punish than it is to forgive. And let's remember Jessica's had to deal with the easy versus the hard question too. Because again the easy answer for her has been shown to her by Simpson. Just kill him. Well by Kilgrave's own logic. Yep. The easiest thing to do is to kill Kilgrave. His own logic would tell Jessica, you must kill me. Of course, he's not going to see it that way. But he is the same problem that he was going to solve through killing. So she's looking at him and saying, no, don't kill this guy. And she's also looking at him and saying to herself, no, don't kill Kilgrave. It's there's there's this is why as much as the show is not rewatchable for me so much, there's a lot in it to think about and a lot of questions that get asked. It's deep and it goes it goes to places that maybe I don't want it to go, but there's some places where I wouldn't want it to go where I'm in the end. I'm glad. Well, and I'll argue even her next conversation with Trish continues this theme. Well, let's go there. The difficult philosophical debates. Now, before we get to that conversation, we have a flashback to her and her family with her family and their vacation, arguing about a Game Boy. Dad's in the front. Ah, you guys better quiet down back there. You know, that kind of thing. And um, she throws the Game Boy. It breaks. He turns around. Jessica, what are you? And then they crash into the back of a truck. And this is why I just throw my arm back there and just whack whatever's there. But I keep my face forward. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And so you can totally see why she would blame herself. The way the situation played out, any child in that situation, I think, would would take the blame or bury it so deeply. You know, because they can't handle it. But, ugh. and one moment, 
a broken Game Boy, a moment of family discontent, and then she's alone. Yeah. Yeah, and and clearly she this is not a punishment that she deserves. She did not do something that deserved what she got. It was just typical sibling stuff. No, it just and it was a split second and it was just the wrong split second. In another situation, another stretch of road, it would have been something different. But this is you know, again that nurture and nature, this is something from from the nurture side, this is something happening uh, external forces being forced on her, but it changes everything. Changes everything. Um, and gives us some good good background here, finally. We got his background. We got her background. She goes to Trish, and she asks, what would you do if you could harness Kilgrave's power for good? And all you have to do is basically give up your own soul. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she literally would – she could harness Kilgrave, have him do those things that he did today, turn him into a superhero. But all she has to do – and all she has to do in return is give her full self into him yeah. to choose him. And that may not even be necessarily a sexual relationship yet, but choosing to be with him always, no longer being herself but being – him and his her handler, yeah. In order to make this happen, she has to and be it, his handler. And she knows she will save not only the lives of those people that superhero Kilgrave saves, but the lives that supervillain Kilgrave would have taken. Yeah. <laughs> All she has to do is just surrender herself. Yeah. Yeah. So here we, we we do get some Hogarth stuff there and Hogarth texts uh Jessica, but Kilgrave gets the text and, and texts back with her and they have a little bit of a interaction. Of course Hogarth doesn't know what's going on. But from here is where Jones returns. Uh Laurent and Alva have been told not to blink until she returns, which Jessica doesn't even know this. This is just something that Kilgrave has done extra. He didn't need to do this. This is, again, insight into character for him. She comes back. She's brought back Chinese food. It sounds like it looks like to both him and to us. It has noodles, too. <laughs> it, it looks like to him she's come back. It looks like to us she's chosen to stay with him to maybe make him change. And so we're thinking, well, what's going to happen? Or at least I'm thinking, okay, so what's going to happen that's going to show that he can't be changed? Well, turns out that's not where this is going. Um, he wanted a royal taster. <laughs> now we know why. Well, so she takes some of his food, eats some of his food to prove that it's not drugged. His food is not drugged. But whose food is drugged? Alva. The staff. Alva and Laurent. They eat. They go unconscious. And now, if she does something to Kilgrave, his orders from before, the fail-safes, they can't happen. This is smart. I'm thinking, wait a minute, what's going on? Oh. 
Jessica Jones is smart, and so is the writer of this episode. So they fall, and she says, what would Jessica do? This, and jabs him with a needle, knocks him out, leaves, has to escape because Simpson and his gang come. He's, and Simpson says, you know, let me do the hard part. I'll take care of him. You've done this part, but I can do the killing for you. No, no, she's got another plan. She leaps out of there. Higher than a, what? what is it? Faster than a speeding bullet. Speeding bullet. Than a locomotive. I don't know. I, I think Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. That's what she does, of I, course. I think in, this is totally a leap, by the way. I think this is a great riff on traditional Superman. Maybe. Superman stuff right here. Maybe. But she's out of there. And then Mrs. DeLuca comes back. She has oh, some, Mrs. DeLuca. She has something for Simpson. It's a bomb. Blows you never, up. No, you know it's not good when DeLuca knows him by name. No, you knew, you knew it was there's problems happening. It's like return to sender. Uh, but, yeah, so I don't know where we're going after this. Um. Jessica is left on a good note. She's, you know, things are going her way right now. That's not the kind of cliffhanger we're getting. We're getting the cliffhanger with with Simpson. With, uh, boy, what happened to him? What's going to I happen don't know. to him? Well, I mean, I do, but I'm going to just act stupid for now. Well, no, act uninformed. Yeah, I've, There's a difference. I, no I am uninformed, Benjamin. Big difference. So anyway, yeah, this episode... I don't know what else to say about it that we haven't already said. Um, I've got a few more things. Other than, for me, it goes to a lot of good, thought-provoking places. Not necessarily good places, but places that we need to be thinking about these things. And really, anyone who who would say, well, there's nothing to think about here. (laughs) Maybe that's the kind of person that needs to stop and think. So... Yeah, what do you have? What else do you have, Daniel? Well, and, and I'm going to go back to the rape issue. Um, they've MCU'd this origin story in this rape situation. In the comics, again, the comics, you know, they may not have wanted to take things as far, but they still took it in a way that was really, really painful, I think, where he basically gave her the desire to want to be with him, but then he would keep from being with her said she he forced her to watch um so it was it was more psychological torture and not a a sexual torture per se but again still a pretty grotesque and horrible horrible thing to be doing it's still a power play it's very much power play but but he would withhold but make her watch him with others and and again here it's pretty clear that they he goes all the way down that road. Um so again a little bit of a difference between here and the comic books in both cases still psychological torture beyond all extremes that any reasonable human being has to just think it's horrible in both cases. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean that's it's still the power play. It's still the um I want something that you are holding from me. So I'm taking it. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, forcing someone to give affection. It's, it's still a form of rape. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Because she, he was still controlling her mind. Yeah. 
So, but again, in the comics, I, I understand this is the Max series, and they were trying to go to places the comics hadn't gone before. But they still seem to put some some oh restrictions even there that yeah. they've removed here. Well, and I'm just uh, – I'll be honest. I'm just glad we aren't seeing it because, I mean, as dark as this place goes, uh, I don't want to go to that place where – I, I have to experience the. Uh, I, I'm just I'm just glad we're not seeing it. Um, I'm with you, man. <laughs> I'm with you. So, well, you have any other notes? Nope. Okay. Well, I we, mean, I did my whole Beauty and the Beast riff. <laughs> yes, you did. You did indeed. I um, think this is going to have a different ending. And it, not a library. But there were a stack of CDs that he used a magnifying glass to see which which CDs she had back then. And posters on the wall, we had Nirvana don't and uh, Green Day. Oh, don't forget Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red, I didn't. Oh. oh, it was there. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away now. <laughs> Green Day. Oh, Green Day. Those were the days. And we are going back to that 90s. 90s subculture there. There you go. Hey, Ben, I don't know what's next. Do we do we go to our, our listener feedback or do we rate this thing? We go to our listener seedback, feedback. Ah, the seedback. The seedback. Uh, you know. You know where we go out like Johnny Appleseed and, and plant apple trees across the nation. And agents will just spring up wherever we go. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, yes, seedback. Planting apple trees through the power of podcasting. No, we uh we do feedback and then we will rate the episode and I think I know what we're going to be rating. So, I'm going to play that sounder right about now. Witness statements. All right, Daniel, so we have a lot of audio to play back here. So, get ready and strap yourself in and let's we'll do a little bouncing back and forth here, but let's listen to uh uh, Agent Lestew, he sent in a couple. Hello, guys. Um, this is Stuart from the UP, formerly of Portland. And, yeah, so I was listening to your guys talk about just Jones, talking about um, specifically episode three when she takes Malcolm into the hospital and um, pushes him over to get the drugs, or to get the, the anesthesia. Um, and I think Daniel mentioned that, oh, it's like a no big deal because, like, he's, like, going to need to go to the hospital or something. And that's not the problem. The problem is Malcolm, yes, he's a user, but Malcolm, but he's innocent, right? And so he saw Jessica as a um, as, as a kind-hearted person in a rough exterior, right? And so then when she pushes him over to get, she uses him to get the, uh, to get the, the, the anesthetic, you go, well, wait a second. We are now sad and we don't trust Jessica because we just saw him or we just saw her use this innocent guy. Now, you know, legality aside, he's a, he's an innocent being. It, you know, so anyway. Uh, just wanted to just 
throw my two cents into the wind there and um, have a great day. It's currently, oh, it's actually 29 degrees right now. So it's kind of cold. Um, Anyway, talk to you guys later. Bye. Now we have a a couple other messages from from Agent Lestu, but, and one of them actually kind of gets back to this Malcolm stuff, but I will say there is a point here now where I'm looking at Jessica using him and that's a moral uh, turning point for her because she's using him to stop someone who's using other people. And, you know, she could have taken this a couple steps further and become more and more like Kilgrave. Ben, I just want to say it's currently 29 degrees here. Wow. That's great. You know how much it is over here? I think we're at uh, 58. 58? Yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of snow last week, and then it's all just melted away. It feels like spring out there, man. Feels like spring. All right. Go to another voicemail. And anyone who's listening in the summer is just like, what? Or if you're listening in, like, um, you live on the equator or something like that. (laughs) So... All right, next from Agent Lestu. It's Stuart from the UP, Lestu from the IUPA. Um, so I just finished uh, Jessica Jones, episode uh, four of season one. I'm taking my time with it. Um, it. Like has been said, it's really intense. Um, and boy, was I wrong about Malcolm. That's fun. Anyway, uh I still think I was right, but I think that um, he changed his tune on me. Or he's getting used by the purple man. Um, and, and I'm caught up on Miss Peggy Carter. Now, that is some fantastic stuff. Um, in episode two, which I'm not sure how you guys didn't do that because they both aired on the same night, but whatever. Um, in episode two, uh, I saw a logo for the... Super secret, the beginnings of the super secret NASA thing that's not the NASA thing. It's really weird. Um, so that is very interesting. I'm really excited to see where they take it out from there. Um, anyway, love to show you guys and talk to you later. Bye. Where'd they take it? <laughs> Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it too, but they're not doing anything with it. Not a thing. Not a thing. All right, here we go. Well, hello there. This is Stuart from a balmy negative 15 degrees. Uh, yeah, it's cold. Um, anyway, so I just got done listening to Ben Soapbox about uh, you're a winner, about seeking help if you need it. And absolutely, I agree with everything you said 100%. Um, and I think. What is happening is the creators are showing this person who is choosing not to do that and, but still telling you that's what you should do. But they're, they're showing us, they're showing us the character who's choosing not to do it. Um, so they're, they're actually showing us they show, don't tell, which is what you're supposed to do in filmmaking. Um, I don't disagree with any of your, uh, any of the soapbox. I think it's valid. I think it's important to tell people. Um, I just wanted to point that out because I think that 
in that way, the the showrunners, the filmmakers, are absolutely fantastic in their creation of Jessica Jones. She is a truly flawed character um, who's not so much concerned about the babies. Um, and 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 it's nice to see that character be um, really fleshed out. Okay, back to the episode. Um, love the podcast. Thanks, guys. Catch you later. Bye. Yeah, and and I I agree. What they're doing is is a uh, what would you call a a, a a positive negative. You know, you're you're giving someone a positive message by showing them the negative and how it should work or or shouldn't work. So. Um, you know what I find interesting when I look back at my characterization of not, but what about the baby mm-hmm. is really I read some much later stuff when you look at Civil War and you look at the pulse and you look at Alias and her character had really been drawn out and well developed in those two series by Bendis. But when you're someone like me who really read her in more mainstream books for the first time, like Civil War. That was all gone. It wasn't out there. I hadn't had it. And I almost wonder now if I go back and reread Civil War after having Alias and the Pulse behind me, my view might change. Great. I also wonder how many people actually read those two things before they read her in Civil War. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we have one more voicemail. No, two more voicemails. But should we do the, the regular mails first or the emails? Sure. Regular mail. We don't get regular mail. <laughs> Oh, we get regular about. mail. Actually, I did get a package once. Remember that package that came with uh, Howard the Duck novelization in it? That was awesome. Yeah. Um, Jessica Jones episode four and five comes from Private Agent Kurt. You want to read that or you want me to? I got it. Hey, gentlemen. Private Investigator Kurt here. Back to talk about some Jessica Jones. I know it's late. But hope you had a good Christmas and New Year. Ben, I don't know about you, but that seems so long ago. And a wonderful Valentine's Day as well. (laughs) Since I missed episode four of the podcast when it came out, I've got a bunch of my thoughts on 99 Homes and Sandwich Lady in one message. What? Okay. During my first viewing of 99 Homes, it was my favorite episode, (laughs) primarily because of the scene with Jessica and the crafty couple. I can understand the lady's issues because of traumatic nature of the Battle of New York. But even more than that, I love Jessica's reaction. She freaks out, breaks things, and basically tells the couple that what happened in New York or whatever tragedy takes place in relation to superpowered individuals is not her problem and she shouldn't be blamed. This is how I inter- interpreted her speech. If you got to beef with superheroes, take it up with those individuals, not me. I got my own issues to deal with. I also liked how you mentioned the ties to Civil War and the Avengers. The fact that there was a little more tragedy and drama added to the events of the Avengers' fight against the aliens was great. Plus, I also like how there were those small issues raised about people's perceptions of superhero individuals from both sides and how that could feed into themes of Civil War. As for Episode 5, I love seeing Jessica spying on Kilgrave and gaining intel on his movements and interactions with Malcolm. On top of that, getting those flashbacks with Jessica having an office job, humiliating that guy with arm wrestling in the bar, and discussing superhero possibilities was great, especially with that jewel costume reveal. But my favorite moment was when Jessica saved the little girl and the girl said, We're mom. I think that the sandwich lady saved her. That was beautiful, classic, and very funny, and one of the specific moments where I loved Jessica when she was 
her heart in the right place. What I didn't like was the whole Trish and Will thing. Like you, I was surprised how quickly those two got together after Will's attempted murder. It felt like a misstep and a wrong action for Trish to take on the writer's part. I don't believe anyone would be able to forgive and forget someone for an event like that, let alone hook up with them with them later on. Madness, also the sex. While I have no issues with it in the show, I do feel like it was a little uncomfortable and un- unnecessary. And this was one of the occasions where it was done for shock value more than anything else. And unfortunately, this isn't the only instance of awkwardness. Well, that's my quick thoughts for now. Can't wait to hear more. Private Investigator Kurt out. P.S. Ben, please watch Star Wars Rebels. It's so good. I want to. And I will. It's just right now I can't because I have to buy it on iTunes. Totally pre-gamed little Rebels before we are recorded tonight, buddy. Not me. I watched Downton Abbey before we recorded tonight. Ah, uh, good old Downtown Abbey. Well, you know, we actually fell back behind, um, but now Dude, we're ahead because we have the DVD. We have the set. Yeah. Or have they already aired the last episode? I don't know. I think we're ahead. I'm pretty sure based on my Facebook feed, while we're recording right now, there is, in fact, an episode of Downtown Abbey being played. Yes. Downton. Downton. Do you think that Downtown Abbey will have a sequel called Uptown Abbey, a spinoff? You know, like mash at home. So anyway, Agent Lestew sent in a message, said, I'm watching JJ episode four, and I noticed there was an uncredited guest star. Yes, Chris Evans was on Jessica Jones. Photographic evidence below. He has a picture of uh, of Simpson, and it does look a lot like Chris Evans. I wonder if that's why they cast cast him. Kind of an older... Less handsome, Chris Evans. Seriously, though, doesn't he look like Cap undercover? So there's that. And finally, well, do you want to read this one from Agent AV, or should I? Oh, it's, it's a longer one. Stuff. I'll read it. Subject is lots of stuff. Gentlemen, Agent AV here. Stellar job, as always. Lots of stuff in my mind on all the topics you've discussed since the last time I wrote in. I'll try to break it down into Marvel stuff and post credit stuff, starting with the Marvel stuff. I had to re-listen to your episode about Jessica Jones, episode 7, Top Shelf Perverts, to realize you missed a great crossover appearance. The cop that came into the interrogation room to tell Jessica she was free to go was none other than Foggy Nelson's childhood enemy, Sergeant Brett Mahoney. It's a subtle yet effective way to connect the universes without it feeling forced or impacting the overall story. Regarding Agent Carter, I've enjoyed season two so far, but with Haley Atwell cast in a pilot for a new ABC show, looks like this could be it for the show. I hope the show at least connects to the larger MCU in some significant way in the finale. By the way, season two will have 10 episodes, not eight, as you guys keep saying. Also, I'm wondering if they end the season sending her back to New York to work in the office from the Agent Carter one shot, allowing it to remain in canon. Additionally, you talked about Rose being out in the field in the last episode. When Peggy said Rose passed all the same tests as every other agent, I remembered in season one where Jarvis arrived at the SSR office wanting to see Chief Dooley. When he insisted that Rose let him in, she reached for the gun under her desk before Jarvis claimed to have Howard's confession in the briefcase. That's not something she's likely to have access to if she wasn't at least trained. Regarding the mid-season finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., while I've enjoyed the third season, the finale left me disappointed as it finally confirmed for me something I had suspected all along. The writers had no clue what to do with Grant Ward after his Hydra reveal in season one. It seems like they spent season two just treading water with him. Part of me suspected Brett Dalton was cast in a movie or something else that would require him to be away from the show, but that doesn't seem to be the case. 
It's a shame because I wonder if trying to shoehorn him into the plot somehow distracted the storytelling overall. Also, while Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has gotten better, it has been bleeding viewers since season one. The honest trailer I sent to you on Twitter, as well as something that happened recently on Supergirl that I'll ask in the post credits below, got me thinking. Could an appearance by an A-list MCU character such as Downey, Evans, Hemsworth, Johansson, or Renner manage to bring in enough viewers for one episode to get people back on board with the show? Or do you think that would be too much of a nuclear option where, if it failed, the show would be doomed entirely? I have post credit stuff to ask about as well, which I'll include in the post credits of this email. Thanks and keep up the great work. Sincerely, Agent AV. post credit stuff. As a longtime Heroes fan, I watched Heroes Reborn and, like you, was confused about it having a mid-season finale at the end of episode 10 with only three episodes remaining. I wonder if they expected to be picked up for a full season like Supergirl did after its initial 13-episode order. That could explain why they came back with episode 11 on January 7th, two weeks earlier than originally announced on January 21st. This seems fitting that Heroes Reborn episode 13, which could be its last ever, aired at the same time as the premiere of Legends of Tomorrow, which has been a good show thus far. I mentioned Supergirl a couple of times. I'm surprised that The Flash and Supergirl have surpassed Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as my favorite comic book shows on television. I never would have predicted that. Speaking of Supergirl, the show was able to reveal a major Justice League character in the cast since they don't have to connect with the larger movie universe. Do you think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. suffers from not being able to do something similar? Thanks. So, first question. Bring in A-lister. And will that bring more viewers on board? Mm, they brought in Samuel, you know? Yeah. Oh. And he's the obvious one. But what if they brought in, I don't know, Renner? I don't know. Renner or I, Evans? I don't think Evans or Downey would do it. Evans might if it was fun and enough money. <laughs> That's... I, I don't know, man. They got that. They got that Hulk model. You know, they can just drop that in. It doesn't cost anything. It's they free. Good Ant Man. In fact, I think I think they actually get money back when they use it. Uh, the the Iron Man model would would be free as well. I would think anyway. But War Machine. What if they brought they, in? They could they could bring in the original the original Rhodey. And just oh, confuse the issue altogether. Yeah, he's already on, he's on Fox. So, yeah. Um, what about, do you think S.H.I.E.L.D. suffers from not being able to bring in people from the, or from having to connect with the larger movie universe and not being able to bring in someone that um, they didn't? Here's, here's what I know we don't suffer from. We don't suffer from the fact that what's going to happen is that we're going to see a Justice League movie with a uh, flash in it. And then after we all see it, we're all going to say, man, I really wish Grant Gustin was in that. No, I mean, there's a reverse to that, too. Yeah, Yeah. they can be on two different platforms with two different actors, but we're going to compare them. And I'm sorry, new Flash, movie Flash, you're going to have a really hard time when you get compared to Grant Gustin. You know, that's what they talked about with with Superman Returns when Smallville was still on the air. You had two different Supermans, basically. And as much as I liked Brandon Routh, he did get some heat. Well, and Tom Welling would have been an interest. It, it would have been interesting to end Smallville with a big screen movie that was just the next Superman movie. That that would have been an interesting way to go. 
They didn't, obviously. But well, and now they're getting ready rumors to bring Welling onto Supergirl. Yeah, uh, which would well. Here's the other I just, thing: Martian Manhunter looks so weird to me. And if we bring Welling in, they already had Martian Manhunter on Smallville. Yeah, yeah, but here's here's their saving grace: is they've established multiple Earths. So, you got me. So, you know, I don't know about 52 universes on the screen, but you can have the Dark Knight universe. You can have the Man of Steel Justice League universe. You can have the Arrow universe that includes Legends of Tomorrow and Flash. And you can have, and I guess maybe Supergirl and Constantine as well. Um, and then you have the Smallville universe. And so why wouldn't one Superman look like another Superman, you know? You can even have the Lois and Clark universe, for that matter. In the original Flash series, I mean, they've established the possibility of bringing them all into one storytelling universe by having multiple universes. I don't know if they're going to go there, but they have that possibility for them now. Should we listen to two more voicemails? If you're going to make me, Ben. I'm going to make you. Here we go. Hi, uh, Ben and Daniel. This is Agent Ricky. And I want to bring up something I think you guys missed in your report on uh, the Jessica Jones episode, Top Level Perverts, I believe it was called. Um, when she's giving the divorce papers to Wendy, and Wendy falls in the subway, Jessica jumps down, rescues her. The train is coming, and she kind of gives like a look like she's actually contemplating just having the train hit her as a form of suicide. Uh, she doesn't because the show's called Jessica Jones, and they wouldn't want to kill her off halfway through. But uh, what do you guys think of that? Uh, can't wait to hear this. Bye. I agree. Yeah, I, I, I agree a, that that was there. That was an element that was was there, and, and I, I would very disagree. Self destructive at those moments. If I put on my Daniel pants and say I'm going to be Daniel, I, I believe they could have killed her off in the middle of the show. Uh huh. Yes. And then just given the show to another character, Hellcat, and kept the name Jessica Jones. Yeah, Jessica yeah. Jones season two, which is actually not about Jessica Jones at all, just like. Agent Carter yeah, season yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jessica Jones season two, the Patsy Chronicles. Yeah. 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 Starring Dottie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey girl. No, but I, that was definitely an element there of, you know what? I could just let it be done right now. Yeah. Very, very self-destructive at that moment. Yeah. But she's getting better. She's being proactive. She has, she went into, she went into that house. She's gone through, you know, the, like the lowest level of hell for her. And now she's pulling herself out because she's moving against him. And it's, you know, we'll see what happens. Most of us have already seen what happens. But anyway, last voicemail, and then we will give this our ratings. Hi, this is Pam in San Francisco calling about Jessica Jones. I have watched through Top Shelf Pervert, so I can't. Uh, spoil anything past that and um, the first thing I'd like to say is that I, 
found the violence in Daredevil much more disturbing than anything I've seen in Jessica Jones. I mean, I guess, I mean, different things bother different people. But uh, I'm not sure I would have uh, watched all the episodes in Daredevil if it hadn't been for the fact that I was interested in your podcast, because uh, the violence was really repulsive. Jessica Jones has uh, covered some dark territory, but for me, it, comparatively, it's been a walk in the park. I wanted to make a couple of comments about what we've seen. My understanding, my interpretation of what we've seen about how Jessica got away from Kilgrave is that the killing Luke's wife really was uh, something that violated her deepest beliefs, and, and maybe that caused a, a, a disruption in uh, you know the link between her and Kilgrave. But the real reason she got away is because uh, that buzz hill hit Kilgrave and rendered him profoundly unconscious, the same kind of unconscious he would be if you uh, gave him surgical anesthesia. And so that's when he lost uh, control of her. I believe that if he had had not been hit, if he had remained conscious, he would have been able to reassert his control over her. So really, she, she got lucky in terms of getting away, and that's why she's still afraid of his power. She never succeeded in uh, resisting his power. Uh, she was just... Uh, given an opportunity to escape from it. Um, another thing, as I understand it, um, or my understanding is that 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 first mugging when when uh, Jessica intervenes and uh, when Jessica and Kilgrave meet, that the victim in that mugging was Malcolm, who at that time was a regular person, maybe going to school for social work, and. You know, Jessica was happy about intervening, and she made a difference, and she helped someone, and it was a good thing. And part of Kilgrave's psychological abuse was for him to find Malcolm and get him to start taking drugs, turn him into an addict, so that Malcolm ended up worse off than he would have been if Jessica hadn't intervened in the mugging. I think that's what she was referring to when she said, I tried to be a hero once, but it didn't work out. You know, so... I mean, Kilgrave just, uh, he's very evil and, and, uh, does terrible things. And I, I think things have been going on between Kilgrave and Jessica and Malcolm for, for a while. So I'm almost out of time. Thanks very much for your podcast. I appreciate all the work you do. Bye. It's a good take on that. That was. Uh, <laughs> do I do it? It's yours to give. It's mine to give or to not give, as the case may be. The new prize winner of the day. That was really loud. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, that's a good take on things. Uh, He has, he does completely pervert what Jessica, what good Jessica had done for Malcolm. The, The one thing is, though, I don't think Jessica ever saw Malcolm's face. I don't know. I don't I think know. They made a, a big point, uh, at least to us viewers, us not seeing the victim's face until after just good walked away, because that way we'd have the oh moment. Yeah, yeah. So I always assumed that Jessica didn't know who that first victim was either. It it didn't work out because to be blunt, that's when he took her. He He took her and then. But what I could see it being is after the fact, she's gone. And that's when he goes and gets Malcolm. Yes. You know, I agree. And, but I don't know that she knows that Malcolm was victim slash rescuee number one. But maybe she that was something he wanted her to find out later. 
I mean, clearly he went to Malcolm after the fact. Well, and that would help explain and get us away from your favorite word. Coincidence. Coincidence. Yeah. 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 So Pam from San Fran. Um, yeah. You, you've just gotten some good coincidence off the table and given me some good uh, intentionality. So That makes you happy, doesn't it, Ben? It always does. Always does. Hey, let's wrap things up here. What do you say? Let's get out of here. Final report. Daniel, how many strips of bacon out of five do you give this episode? Oh, big. I'm more of a sausage man myself, so I'm going to go with four sausage links. <laughs> um, but, but that's not what Mrs. DeLuca was eating is all. I, I'm going to really... Well, we're trying to stick with things that are in the episode, right? Right. Fine, fine. Hey, how many cracked windows were there? You know, I don't remember seeing one. Maybe the car crash? Yes. Oh, yeah, the car crash. That's a broken window right there. Well, I don't know if I actually saw a broken window. But but we heard it. There you go. Uh, So four strips of bacon, Ben. Four. Thank you. Thank you. I need structure to my world, Daniel. That's all I ask for. And for me, I give it a solid four strips of bacon out of five. And yeah, that's so where we're it seems at. Seems like we both thought it was pretty solid. Solid four. Not perfect, but solid. But close to it. And bonus points for giving us backstory. Yeah. Well, Daniel. That brings another episode to a close. Do you have anything you want to share with the audience? I don't know, Ben. Just say it with cash. That's all I ask. That's all you ask? Okay. Well, and I'll have to say that um, I think people are going to say it with cash. You know why? Uh, I'm not delusional. I'm just optimistic. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level 7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level 7 pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is I Knew a Guy and On the Ground by Kevin McLeod at IncomTech.com, licensed under the Creative Commons license. Hey, Daniel. Um, yes, sir. So last time we we uh, recorded about Agent Carter and you were talking about being really excited to see the Goldbergs. How'd that work out for you? Well, Ben, not relevant to my interests. Not at all? Even without uh, Weird Al? Yeah. Yeah, just... I found the cast generally unlikable. I thought it was maybe a updated, redone version of many family sitcoms that i've seen and it just uh the most entrancing part for me of the entire thing was where creator adam goldberg showed a video of himself as a child at the end yeah 
Yeah, they they did that a lot. Yeah, I like that. And the dedication to his hero, Weird Al Yankovic. Apparently, me and Adam Goldberg had the same dream. Next door neighbor. <laughs> Cut yeah. borrowing sugar. Well, yeah, you know what I thought of the episode? You haven't seen it yet, Ben. I, I already know this to be I true. I haven't seen it. You know how much of season two of the Goldbergs I've seen? Yeah. A few commercials that? during Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Are you kidding me? You're addicted to, to Goldberg. No, I loved it last year, but it was on right after a show or right before. I can't remember that I watched consistently and regularly. And so I was caught with that. Well, I'm just saying, Ben, that it's more likely that you'll see an episode of the Goldbergs before I see another episode of the Goldbergs. Okay. Well, I think that that's probably a bet that I'm not going to bet against. Bet. 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 Betcha. <laughs>